Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by Local Line. Local Line is an e-commerce platform that helps farmers and local food suppliers direct market their products online, access new markets, and stay organized. Local Line is offering listeners of the Rural Woman Podcast a free 30-day trial of their software and a free premium feature with your first year subscription. Visit today's show notes for the link to go.localline.ca slash ruralwoman to get started. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. This week, you'll meet Nicole Vernon. Nicole is co-owner of Vernon Family Farm, which is a non-GMO pastured poultry farm on the seacoast of New Hampshire. She is a farmer, a Spanish teacher, and a bilingual mama of three adventurous girls, a committed wife, a serious multitasker, which she admits that is sometimes a good thing and sometimes a bad thing, (laughs) and a very passionate community builder. They participate in indoor and outdoor farmers markets, but also operate a successfully growing farm store and host on-farm events. Their mission is to cultivate a greater sense of community through chicken, because chicken is what they do best. And you guys are going to hear all about a whole lot of chickens today, which is super cool. And I love Nicole's story, and I'm excited to share it with you. You'll hear later in the show that we actually recorded this all the way back on April 16th. The original date for this to launch was June the 12th, but... Nicole graciously bumped her spot so we could share the stories of the lovely dairy ladies last month in Dairy Month. So thanks, Nicole, for that. And I am excited for you guys to hear it again. My microphone's turned off. So please, please, please (laughs) give me some grace there. (laughs) Okay. So I've been receiving a lot of messages this week. People want to know, did I reach my Patreon goal? my birthday wish of having 30 patrons for my 30th birthday. And though technically it states that there are still 28 patron members over on Patreon, we added a couple of family members from one of my current patrons to bump it up to 30 contributing members of the Royal Woman podcast. So I take that as there's 30. (laughs) So thank you to the rest of the Nelson family for joining the patron gang. I am grateful for each and every one of my members over on Patreon. Obviously, my birthday is over, but I'd still love for you guys to join in and help supporting sharing the stories of women in agriculture through the Rural Woman podcast. So you can head on over to wildrosefarmer.com and learn more about becoming a patron through Patreon. And guys, I haven't read a listener review in quite a while, so I'm going to do that for you right now. This listener review comes from Ski Bums Girl via Apple Podcast Canada, which is very suiting because lots of people ski here. I'm not one of them, but there's lots of skiers in Canada because yes, there is lots of snow (laughs) most of the time. All right. This five-star rating and review is titled Refreshing. This is an amazing podcast for women in egg or really any woman. Not only do these stories shed light on agriculture, it shines light on amazing strengths of women, empowered women, empowered women. 
Thanks, Caitlin. Well, thank you so much for your kind rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. I have been toying with the idea, sharing this story with you guys, because shedding light on negative reviews is not something I want to do. But I got my first one. (laughs) I got my first one star negative review over on Apple Podcasts this week, which actually was delivered to me on my birthday. So thanks for that. Um, (laughs) Honestly, um, I have received mostly positive feedback, 99% positive feedback from um, my intro back all the way on Sarah Sash's episode at the beginning of June Dairy Month. Um, I don't want to, you know, shed a lot of light on this because I think the majority of my listeners are open-minded and understanding and loving people. But there are some people that didn't like what I had to say, and that's fine. You don't have to like what I have to say. But um, if you do majority of the time like what I have to say and you like this podcast, consider leaving me a nice review over on wherever you listen to podcasts, and I will read your kind words on an upcoming episode. I'm not going to read the negative ones because you guys are mean. (laughs) But without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Nicole. Hi, Nicole. How are you? Hi, good, Caitlin. How are you? Thanks for having me on your show. So excited to talk to you. It has been a long time coming. It's very hard to get some busy ladies to be able to sit down and chat with one another. (laughs) I know. Oh, my gosh. I know that feeling, but I'm very excited to be able to have this opportunity and to, you know, just be able to have a chit chat about what it's like to be a chicken farmer and all that good stuff. So And all of the good stuff. Yes. So for the listeners who are unfamiliar with you, give us some information about yourself. Who are you and where are you from? So my name is Nicole Vernon. I'm 34 years old and I am the co-owner of Vernon Family Farm, which is a pastured poultry farm in Newfields, New Hampshire. Newfields is a small town on the seacoast of New Hampshire. We're about 20 minutes outside of Portsmouth. My first job, besides being a mom and a farmer and a wife, is being a Spanish teacher. So I sort of have an interesting background as far as what my farming experience is and how I got involved in farming. I spend a lot of time off the farm, a lot of time on the social media handles that we run. And in the summer, I'm usually running around the field with my girls, sort of popping in and out of our farm store and doing other farmy things. See, like I said, you are a very busy lady, so <laughs> to have you sit down with me is a real pleasure. <laughs> well, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a full life. It's a rich life. And it's a life that, you know, sort of in retrospect, I think about the experiences that I had as a young girl and the experiences that maybe led me to where I am now. And it sort of makes sense, you know, even though farming and agriculture was never part of my childhood, it's not something that my parents did. There was always glimmers of farm life uh, growing up. I'm an animal lover. I went to a farm camp for several weeks in the summer as a middle school girl. I dreamed of being a large animal vet. So there was definitely, you know, 
pieces of farming and agricultural life that kind of played in and out of my personality. But I really didn't get into farming until I met my husband, Jeremiah, who is a farmer and who grew up on a homestead with his family in northern New Hampshire. And that's sort of how my journey into farming began. So you married into it, but somehow, some way, it was in your blood, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've always had a passion for the outdoors. I've always had a love for animals. And I am so happy that it's part of my identity now and part of who I am and part of who my family is. And I don't imagine life being any other way. That's awesome. That's great. So tell me, because I think it's like a secret magical potion or something that you must drink every day to be able to be a full-time Spanish teacher a mom of three little girls, wife, and a farmer. How do you do it all? (laughs) (laughs) There's no secret potion. Just a lot of hard work, a lot of grit, some discipline, a partner who balances me out for sure. You know, I'm sort of like the energizer bunny. I don't ever quit. And I'm thankful that I have a partner who helps me sort of simmer down and settle down because if it weren't for him, I'd probably just, you know, keep chugging along and How do I manage it all? How do I do it all? I don't really know how I do it all. I guess I'm just doing many different things that I love. And so it's easy to do things when you love doing them, you know? To give you a little bit of background and to the people listening, I grew up in Syracuse, New York, and I had a pretty typical you know, middle class, upper middle class experience as far as going to a larger public school, going to a smaller liberal arts college. I graduated from St. Lawrence University in Canton, New York. I taught one year at a private boarding school where I really fell in love with teaching Spanish. And then I got my master's in Spanish language and literature from Middlebury College. And At that time, I really thought that my journey was to be a city girl and to move to Europe, to move to Madrid, Spain, and spend the rest of my life living in the city, maybe teaching English, maybe doing who knows what, but not the farm life. And I met my husband, Jeremiah, about a month, maybe six weeks before I was planning on jet setting to Europe. And he was working at an organic dairy farm up in Maine. And our first date was shoveling manure. And that, of course, stole his heart. He knew that I was the one for him. I, on the other hand, was not convinced. But we did have a good time shoveling manure and playing on the farm together. But my original plan was to move to Europe and be a city girl and sort of continue my life that way. I never expected to settle in New Hampshire. I never expected to own a farm. I never expected to be a chicken farmer and also manage and multitask that with being a Spanish teacher. But being a Spanish teacher, travel, culture, teaching about diversity, teaching about acceptance were all things that I was passionate about before meeting Jeremiah and before sort of getting into the farming career and before being more involved in agriculture. The two lifestyles, though, Caitlin, you know, the one of teaching and being a high school Spanish teacher and farming are very complementary lifestyles. I don't find my teaching career to be 
a job. I find it to be a lifestyle. You know, I'm always teaching. And the same thing goes with farming. And the two blend really nicely together because in a traditional school setting, you've got the summer off and that's when you're the busiest on the farm. So I get to enjoy sort of both lives with my family. And it's just a great mix of two different worlds. That's awesome. And can I just say how romantic your first date sounds? <laughs> well, he was in the tracker and I was with a shovel. I don't know if it's that romantic, but it was fun. And I got a better workout than he did. So, Absolutely. The farm girl guns were out that day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's too great. So tell us more about how you found and started the farm that you're on now, Vernon Family Farm. So Jeremiah, he's always been into agriculture, right? He grew up in New London, New Hampshire. He grew up on a piece of property that has been in his family for generations. He had chickens and ducks and goats and sheep and a little bit of everything. He really had like that typical homesteading experience with his family. Um, he had a love for animals and he went to Bates College. He graduated with a degree in biology. He got into working on different farms and having different farm experiences. We met and he pursued those farming experiences and continued those farming experiences. And we sort of dreamed together that we would at one point buy a piece of property and start farming it. We didn't really understand what that meant at the time. We didn't really understand what that looked like, but we are two very social beings. We're two very emotional, very like excited people, you know, we're very gregarious and outgoing and we usually dream big. And so the thing that was really helpful in Jeremiah's experience, and it sort of led us both to, you know, starting Vernon Family Farm together, was his experience specifically on a sheep and goat farm. He worked for a farm called Riversley Farm, which is just down the road from where we live today. And that farming experience gave him a really neat opportunity because he was running their farmer's markets. And he got to sort of observe during those farmer's markets where the holes were in the local food system, where gaps were. And one thing that he realized was that, you know, there's a lot of farmers coming together at these farmer's markets but nobody's really selling chicken. People are selling chicken in very small quantities. People are only selling chicken, you know, as like a, a broiler, as a whole bird. But nobody is selling chicken in the typical cuts that you get from the supermarket. Nobody's selling boneless breast. Nobody's selling drumsticks or wings, thighs. And so that sort of got him thinking about poultry more seriously. And we started raising chickens. This was about seven years ago at Riversley Farm. We started out with a very small amount of chicken. Five, six years ago, we were raising 1,200 chicken. And now we're raising 20,000 chicken during a pastured poultry season. So it's really grown very quickly. There's advantages and disadvantages to that fast growth. But that's sort of how Verdon Family Farm started. It started with the idea of let's grow chicken, let's raise chicken, let's try to get a product that people can't get at the farmer's market, but that they can get at the supermarket into the farmer's market. You know, let's get people to come to the farmer's market and really be able to do a complete shop 
And from there, we just sort of started growing more and, you know, learning and making some mistakes and celebrating our successes and then making some more mistakes. And it's just a journey of learning when it comes to farming, you know? Absolutely. I love how you said that. It is absolutely a journey of learning. And I don't care if you've been a farmer your whole life or if you just got into it. It's a learning experience every season. Yeah, farming is very unpredictable. And even when you try to predict certain things, whether it's, you know, your employee schedule, your chick schedule, your event schedule, what it's going to be like this year versus last year, Mother Nature throws you a curveball and you got to start all over again. Exactly. <laughs> We're very resilient people, though. You know, farmers are very resilient people. And for the most part, I think we look at the positive side of things. Yes, absolutely. I think we have to, or we would all just go crazy and no one would ever eat it. <laughs> yeah. The Rural Woman Podcast is supported by Local Line. Who is Local Line? They're an e-commerce platform for farms and local food suppliers so you can sell online and save time managing your business. They also have a completely free website builder that you can use without even having a Local Line account. Here are some great tips the experts from Local Line shared for helping your online store generate sales. First, have a catchy and consistent branding. Your brand should match your products and be easily identified as yours. Second, complete your about section so you can share your unique business story to current and future customers. What sets you apart from everyone else? Your customers want to know. Third, product descriptions are really important. Make sure they're descriptive and include keywords like organic, grass-fed, or gluten-free if it's applicable. And lastly, include pictures. 75% of shoppers rely on photos when deciding whether to purchase, and 63% say images are more important than product descriptions. These tips are more than just great suggestions. They actually work. River Bell Market Garden in Dresden, Ontario increased their sales by 42% the year they started using Localine. So stop using phone calls and a notebook to manage your fulfillment and get yourself set up with a website and an online store. Instead of their standard seven-day free trial, Local Line is offering listeners of the Rural Woman podcast a 30-day free trial of their software and a free premium feature with your first year subscription. Visit go.localline.ca slash ruralwoman to get started. That's go localline.ca slash rural woman and start taking control of your business. So speaking of employees, you have a great team over at Vernon Family Farms. When I was doing my research, I was on your website and like we chatted before we started recording, you guys really value and cherish the team that you guys have there. So tell us more about the team on Vernon Family Farms. We have an incredible group of employees, an incredible crew. Can't say enough good things about them. Something that's really special about our team is our team, for the most part, comes back every year. We've got a lot of employees this year, for example, that are on their second or third year farming with us and working with us, which is really special because they're not just our employees. They're really an extension of our family. They are people that spend a lot of time on our property. There are a lot of people that spend a lot of time, you know, running between our 
residential home and the farm store. We find our crew, we're really fortunate in that we are about 20 minutes down the road from the University of New Hampshire. And so we a lot of students who have graduated from either, you know, an environmental studies focus or they have some interest in forestry or in agriculture. So we tend to sort of attract a younger student who has already had some education and have sort of like started to dip their toes into this lifestyle and this world. So they're very passionate about their work. They're very excited. And my husband, Jeremiah, does a great job being a really great leader and boss. You know, he toes the line of having high expectations of his crew and also high expectations of himself but also financially compensating our crew in a way that is a very fair living wage. We also make sure that our crew has a stipend for food so that they're able to eat local food out of our farm store. And we've just been really blessed to have people who gel really well with our family. We've got three little girls that are running around the farm store or around the farm at any given time. And we need to make sure that the people that we employ are trustworthy, you know, of little ladies running around the farm. We need to make sure that the employees that we hear are safe, that they are looking out for our girls if we become busy or if the girls venture off into the other field. So we've got a great team. We consider them our friends. We consider them part of our farm family. And they love being here. You know, it's a really positive place to be. We try to make sure that there's always music on in the farm store, outside of the farm store. We try to keep it light. We try to keep it positive, but we also have a great work ethic and it just all works out nicely. So that sounds like my dream. I want to come work for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it would be awesome to have you come work for us. You bring a completely different skill set that I'm sure would be very valuable to our business. (laughs) Oh, I don't know about that, Nicole, but I could try. They really are awesome. And, you know, Caitlin, you said something about like, you know, what's that special drink that you drink every day to be able to multitask and manage all the different hats that you wear? And the the truth of the matter is that Vernon Family Farm would not be what it is without our farm crew. They give us the freedom and the flexibility family which is really important. I think a lot of farmers and a lot of farming families tend to burn out or perhaps tend to have marital problems because they're financially stressed, they're stressed around work. Our farm crew is great because they give the ability to both Jeremiah and I to sort of relinquish the responsibilities of what is outside our front door or our back door and just be a family, leave the farm, go away, go camping for a week. And those were really important things that we wanted to make sure we established from the get-go. When we started Vernon Family Farm on this property here in Newfields, I was pregnant with our second daughter. And I'm so thankful that we've had this whole farming experience with children. It's really been helpful in sort of helping us balance work life and family life. I think if, you know, personally for the two of us, if we had started farming as seriously as we're farming now, pre-kids, we would have had a more challenging time incorporating children into our lifestyle. And so I'm really happy that we got to start farming with kids at the same time. And sometimes things had to wait because there was a baby that needed to get fed or had to have a diaper change. And it's just 
what had to happen. And we've had to rely on our employees so that we can have that family time. And that's been a really great blessing. For sure. And what a good asset to have for you guys and your farm. So tell us more about your specialty non-GMO pasture-raised chicken. You went from the reasonable number, 1,200, which to me sounds like a lot still, to 20,000 chickens. Like, that is a lot of chicken, Nicole. Tell us more about your birds and what their typical life cycle is on your farm. So we receive our chickens as chicks from Pennsylvania. They come to the farm, and they are about 12 hours old. We receive the chicks and we put them into a structure that we call the brooder barn. We have a brooder barn that is large enough for 3,000 chicks at one time to be brooded for about the first three to four weeks of their life. And once the birds have fledged their feathers and they are old enough to go out on pasture, we move those birds out on field and they are protected in what we call pasture pens or movable chicken tractors, and then those birds are rotated on fresh pasture every single day. The chickens are supplemented with a non-GMO grain. We went the non-GMO grain route instead of the conventional grain route because we wanted to have that grain for our birds. We started out trying to be organic, but the grain costs just did not make that feasible for us. You know, our chicken is already a premium meat. We charge a premium for our chicken because it costs a lot to raise meat. And the non-GMO grain was just the best fit for the price point and what we're trying to do with our chicken. But the birds have a very good life. You know, they are taken care of well. They are enjoying fresh green pasture for half their life and cozy peat moss bedding for the first four weeks of their life. They take about eight weeks until they need to be slaughtered, until they go um, to be processed. We're fortunate because we have a poultry facility where we're able to take our birds up in Gardner, Maine, Commonwealth Poultry, slaughters our birds for us, and it's about a two-and-a-half to three-hour drive, which compared to a lot of poultry growers is actually quite close. So we're fortunate that we don't have to travel a very long distance for that. Then the slaughterhouse is able to process birds, and we pick up the meat about a week later and sell it out of our farm store. That's the basic gist of what happens. Our roles on the farm are very different, you know. Jeremiah is sort of the expert in growing chickens. A lot of my time, and I think my roles and responsibilities will continue to evolve as our farm grows and as life changes, but our roles and responsibilities have always been sort of Nicole takes care of the social media, the networking, the marketing aspect of the farm, and Jeremiah is out in the field. But Those two worlds are starting to blend a little bit more. You know, I'm learning to drive the tractor with more confidence. I'm learning to uh, push the chickens in the field with a little bit more confidence. But that's the general gist of what a typical life for a chicken on Vernon Farm looks like. We try to make sure that raising the chicken can be an experience for our customer. And what I mean by that is we try to really educate our customers with what it means to eat local food and what it means to eat Vernon Family Farm chicken. And so one thing that we've really done, and I think we've done this well, is we've invited our customers and the public onto the farm to come and hold a chick. That has created a really 
neat experience because it gives a better understanding to the people who are eating meat and eating chicken. It gives them a better understanding of what it means to grow meat, what it means to raise a chicken from chick to slaughter. We try to close the circle because we have, you know, people on the property who come and hold a chick. And then a few hours later, maybe they're coming back to the farm for a rotisserie chicken. It's been interesting to be at the forefront of really trying to educate people about where their food comes from and what it really means to raise food and to grow food. There's a huge disconnect between what it means to grow a chicken. Absolutely. And while I can attest to this as a city kid growing up, I thought my food came from the grocery store and that was about it. (laughs) Not knowing, you know, the connection of being the little chick at Easter time versus eating chicken that night for dinner is it's just not there. It's not something that I think urban people think about all that much. But I love that you guys are bringing the outside community into your farm to show them that this is how we are raising our chickens. And this is something that we're proud of. Yeah, I think, you know, people are naturally curious. They enjoy coming to the farm because they like seeing the workings of the farm. So it's really nice to have the opportunity to have, you know, small children hold chicks and parents ask questions about how the chickens are raised. And then they walk into the farm store and they see a cooler full of chicken and they buy chicken. It feels like the most organic and the most natural way of teaching somebody about local food. Yeah, absolutely. Shop Wild Rose Farmer is an online store specializing in apparel and accessories for the fine farming, ranching, and homesteading community that we are blessed to all be a part of. The shop includes quality graphic t-shirts that I promise are going to be your next favorite shirt. Plus, we can't forget the tank tops to even out those farmer's tans that you're going to get from your new favorite tea. Plus, hats, crewnecks, mugs, and more that you are just going to love. Your purchase from Shop Wild Rose Farmer directly supports the Rural Woman podcast. Join the Wild Rose Farmer community email list and receive 10% off your first purchase. Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com shop to check out the new latest and greatest designs. So Nicole, let's talk more about your farm store. We chatted about this before we started the interview. Today, my friends, it is April the 16th that Nicole and I are recording this. Your episode is coming out on June the 12th. So we don't know if the world will be in place on June the 12th, but let's talk more about what's happening in your farm store right now with the COVID-19 pandemic happening. Yeah, so the silver lining of COVID-19 pandemic for our farm has been that our farm has been incredibly busy. And what is normally a very stressful time in agriculture and a stressful time for our farm has not been as stressful because financially we've been doing okay. The spring is when you have a lot of startup costs, right? So for veggie growers, it's buying seeds and starting seedlings and keeping your greenhouse running and growing those seedlings and waiting a lot of time before the seedling produces a vegetable or a fruit. For a chicken farmer, it's buying chickens, buying grain, paying your employees, building more chicken coops, building more chicken tractors, a lot of money going into your product and having to wait several weeks for that product to finally be put on your shelf and sold. And 
with all those struggles in the springtime also comes a time where it's difficult to have a lot of employees because you're just trying to make ends meet. COVID-19 has changed what this spring looks like for us. We've been able to hire more people than normal earlier in the spring than normal. And our farm store has been a one-stop shop for local goods. And a lot of people are coming to shop. We've got a lot of people who are locals who are always shopping for local food, continuing to come to us instead of go to the grocery store. And then we have a lot of people who have been following us, who have heard about us through other friends who maybe have never come out to the farm, but have been meaning to, who finally have taken the time because they have the time, quite frankly, to come to the farm store and shop and have had a really positive experience. It was interesting, you know, Caitlin, that one of those like first weeks of this pandemic when my school stopped and, you know, the the first week was just so intense at the farm. We went from a busy day of transactions, you know, maybe having anywhere between 12 and 15 customers come to like 75 customers come. The growth that we had just overnight was almost overwhelming. But what was comforting for all the people who were coming and shopping with us was they were walking into a a small store where they could have a friendly conversation with the people who grew their food. They were able to buy local food really easily. And they were looking at shelves that were totally stocked. They weren't going into a a supermarket and seeing empty coolers, empty freezers. I think that's very detrimental to the psyche, you know, walking into a market basket or walking into a, a Hannaford, a local grocery store, and only seeing aisles of food and all of a sudden seeing no food, seeing no chicken. We had several people who rushed over to the farm because the supermarket was out of chicken. So for us, COVID-19 has been a really interesting experience. Our farm is doing really well. We're maintaining a lot of positivity and a lot of hope around the whole situation. We're thankful that people are shopping with us. Um, I think a lot of people are realizing how important local food is and how important local businesses are. And I think they are also realizing that their dollar goes a long way. When you shop at our farm store, you're not just supporting us. You're supporting, at this point, probably close to 40 to 45 other local vendors in and around the seacoast of New Hampshire. A lot of farmers here make their living from going to different farmers markets, and all the farmers markets are closed. So a lot of those farms felt very panicked about how are they going to sell their product. They don't have a farm store. So we've been able to buy in, you know, wholesale their product and then retail it out of the farm store. And it's been great for our farm, for our crew, for our family. It's been phenomenal for our community. People are coming and shopping here. They're feeling more invested in local agriculture. They are having a positive shopping experience. They're having a safer shopping experience. We've got a mandatory hand wash station outside of our farm store. We're limiting the farm store to three customers at a time. And people have been really thankful for all those precautions, all those safety precautions. You know, we're sanitizing the farm store. We're wiping down all the coolers between people coming in and out. We're wearing courtesy masks. We're encouraging our customers to wear courtesy masks. So we're following all the CDC guidelines and people just keep coming. And I'm hopeful that once this all passes and even when and if people feel comfortable going to the grocery store, they'll still 
they'll still come and shop with us because they'll remember the positive experience that they had. They'll remember the incredible food that they ate. And they'll just sort of have a habit change, you know, and go from maybe spending their money in a traditional grocery store to supporting their local farmers more often. Absolutely. And I think that can be said for a lot of things that are happening in the world right now. And people want to know when it's going to go back to normal. But I don't know. Part of me thinks that there's going to be a lot of things that don't go back to the way they were. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And one of them being that people are now going to be seeking out more local food. And I hope to see that trend continue after everything is back to somewhat normal or whatever the new normal is be. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, when I think about what the normal was before, the normal before doesn't even really feel that normal now, you know? I mean, as a general population, we were doing a lot of things that were really very unsustainable. And I don't know. I don't know what will happen, but I do know that it's important to be positive because I'm so uncertain and it can be very overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, one other thing that I noticed while I was doing my research is the really fun on-farm event that you had planned, have planned for this year on your farm. So tell us more about what potentially is going to happen for you if all of this goes away. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. We are a farm that really enjoys holding community events. We love having a community space. I think farms should be a place of gathering, you know, around food comes company and family and friends. And and it's fun to have that at the farm. So historically, we've had a lot of reoccurring or repetitive events. We've got like a Taco Tuesday. We have a fried chicken event. We have rotisserie chicken every Friday at the farm. And a lot of times that's coupled with people coming, hanging out on our grass patio, overlooking the wildflower meadow, listening to good local music. It's very possible that due to COVID-19, our event schedule and our offerings are going to be rescheduled or even canceled. And at the beginning of this, Jeremiah and I were, were really nervous about what that would mean for our business because incorporating events means more revenue, means driving more people to the farm store, driving more people to the farm, getting more name recognition. And we were nervous to know like what, what would happen if all those events were to be canceled. I will say the general response in supporting the farm store makes me less nervous about that. If the events don't happen, it'll be a shame because they are a lot of fun. They are very connecting. They play into our, our mission as a farm, which is creating more community and more connection to food through our chicken. But our farm family and our farm won't be quite as stressed as we originally thought we were because we've got a really great support and a really great following of farm store customers buying food on a weekly basis. So I guess there's less fear about that than there was in the beginning. Of course, there's tons of disappointment because we're really looking forward to the community events. And it's a lot of fun to be able to host the community at the farm and see kids running around the farm barefoot and people dancing and eating good food. Absolutely. Well, I think one of the most powerful things I've heard multiple times from multiple people is that we will come together again. And I truly believe that. And I just love that your community is together to support not only you, but the other farmers in your area 
through your store, and I can just only imagine how much fun these events are going to be when you're able to have them again because of all of your new customers that are going to come see you because they have fought with you. And can I say that the next time or the only time that I'm coming to New Hampshire, it, I will be there for Taco Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> well, we would love to host you and have you. It would be truly an honor. It would be so fun. <laughs> Nicole, I could probably talk to you all night. This has just been so fun. My last question for you is what do you think is the most rewarding part about being a farmer? Oh, that's such a loaded question. I, everything, all of it. <laughs> the most rewarding thing, I guess, at this point is really feeling like all of our hard work and effort is paying off. Truly, our family has worked so hard. Our crew has worked so hard to get to the point that we're at right now, which is just selling a lot of local food. And that feels really good. That feels really, really good. Another rewarding thing about being a farmer and having a farm is the joy, large or small, that my children get from living on this property and experiencing this life. They have the best life. You know, they're running around holding baby chicks. We got a couple of beef calves. The girls are bottling the calves. I mean, I don't think you could have a more cute experience, you know, an adorable child bottle feeding an adorable calf and then later holding an adorable baby chick. It's all cute. <laughs> Those are the most rewarding pieces of being a farm owner, I think, is just seeing the younger generations experience the farm and seeing their parents' reactions, their children's experience is equally as rewarding. I agree. Those are all good things, all good things <laughs> on the farm. Yeah. So. It feels really good to have an idea, to have a dream, and to be able to work hard and achieve that dream. You know, we've had so many different obstacles, and you're right, we could talk so much longer. I could talk about so many different things. I think all farmers have lots of different obstacles that they have to overcome, and it only makes them stronger. And, you know, Vernon Family Farm is what it is because we've had to overcome a lot of different obstacles. We've had to work really hard, but it's so rewarding. And being able to, you know, wear a T-shirt with Vernon Family Farm on it and think, yeah, like, we did this is really cool. That's awesome. You guys are awesome. I just love it. Well, we have a lot of fun, that's for sure. For sure. So for the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? So we have a website, so you can find us at www.vernonfamilyfarm.com, or you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at, at Vernon Family Farm. I'm the one that's receiving all the DMs and the messages. I'm the one behind the stories and the posts. And I love that aspect of farm. And I would love for people to reach out if they've heard this podcast and give me some feedback and make a connection and follow me so I can start following them and learning about their journey. Absolutely. And I will link all of those in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was so fun chatting with you. I so happy that we were able to connect and have you on the show. Well, thank you so much. You'll hear it. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at wildrosefarmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.